Welcome to Footy Live's Water Cooler after Carlton Sport Essendon's anniversary party and Brisbane took top spot after Collingwood upset Melbourne yesterday at the G. There was only six games again to see from round 13, but plenty of cracking games, a few dull ones, lots of hot takes and talking points, and so joining me around the water cooler to do just that, talk some footy, is Footy Live's finest analyst and uh, probably proud Hawks fan. I'm going to have a wild guess and say, Nikki G, how'd you go over the long weekend, my friend? Yeah, I think I think proud's a, a good word to describe it. Um... You can't be. I mean, you can't be disappointed with the way that with the performance they put in against a good side in the Dockers. So proud and yeah, an overall great weekend of footy. I thought um, good to see such a big turnout for Queen's birthday yesterday, and um, yeah, just a very it was a celebra- celebratory week of football. I thought so. Yeah, plenty to dissect. Yep, plenty to dissect. A few heroes to shout out too. So I'll start off with your hero, mm-hmm. and you've nominated. Uh, Harry Himmelberg, suggesting that it doesn't have to be in a good game to be a good superhero. Yes, I, I know with the, with the Giants uh, going up against North Melbourne, it, you know, we expected it to be uh, one-way traffic and that's how it panned out. But I just wanted to highlight Himmelberg's performance. I think it was probably one of the best individual performances of the season and probably one of the all-time uh, performances from a fullback. Obviously, Himmelberg... Um, has been playing as a forward for most of his career. Um, but under Mark McVeigh, he's been shifted into defence and uh, playing that new role at centre-half back. And he, he was best on ground at Marvel Stadium. He had These numbers are incredible. 37 touches at 95% efficiency and 25 of them were kick scored. He also took 16 marks. He had 700 metres gained. He had 11 intercept possessions and he even kicked a goal. So, I mean, for, for a full back or a centre-half back, what more could you honestly ask for? Um, that, that is just unreal. I think he came just three possessions short of Brian Lake, who held the record for uh, most, uh, most disposals from a full back, which was 40, but still a remarkable effort. And I wanted to also throw in a special mention to James Peatling, four games into his young career, 21 years old, um, and his last three games, he's kicked three goals in each of them, and he's averaged 17 disposals. Not bad for a full gamer. Not too bad at all. And so lots of good stories there for the Giants from the weekend. But what about the Giants' season now? Obviously, they're starting under mm. a new reign, a couple of players, new positions, new people in the coach's box. What's a successful season for the Giants going forward from here, do you think? It's obviously changed from our uh, pre-season predictions. Um, given the, the first half of the season they've had and uh, the situation they're in with the with an interim coach, I think they just want to, in the second half of the season, um, achieve, I guess, a, a more than 50% um, winning percentage, you'd have to say. So what is there, like nine games left? If they can finish the season... Five and four uh, in the second half of the season. I think they'll take that as a win. We just want to see improvements. Um, obviously, we can't expect too much from them when there's no senior coach there. Uh, yeah, no official senior coach. But um, something to give their uh, membership, something to sell to their members and their supporters. And um, yeah, something to look forward to for next season. So yeah, winning winning form is good form. So 
they need to uh, start getting those wins on the board. Mm, absolutely. And it will be very interesting, as you said there, no uh, appointed senior coach yet. No one really putting their hand up. Um, mm. And so it will be interesting to see how they play that season because, you know, I think it's easier for players to play for spots and, and maintain that the hunger and the motivation in a lost mm. season and in quotation marks there, when, you know, there's a, there's a person there trying to impress for next year and contract spots and whatever. But when it's all a bit yeah. up in the air. It'll be very interesting to see how long they leave it in limbo because uh, we all know what happens to clubs that leave it in limbo for too long. And North Melbourne was one of those clubs, had a caretaker for a very long time and then swapped to David Noble. Mm. They're in your low light. We'll jump there, get him out of the way. But yeah. uh, talk us through the ruse. Why are they in your low light? How is it any different to any other week this year? <laughs> well, they were, they were in my low light last week, and I didn't want to go them again, but I, I can't lie. They they were the low light of the weekend for me. Their first quarter, Gordo, was putrid. It was atrocious. It was the worst quarter of footy I think I've ever seen any team play. It was like a soccer game. Uh, one team dominated possession for most of it. They were, the Giants were just chipping it around. There was no pressure whatsoever from the Ruse, and I think they only managed five uh, inside 50s for the, for the quarter. So, and if you look at their heat map as well, it was just comp- solely played in their defensive half, and that's exactly the way you saw it as well, watching it. All, it's like they just threw everyone back and tried to limit the Giants from scoring, but... Um, it was unbelievable. I wish I could throw out some possession stats, but I just couldn't find them. But it was just so, it was just one way traffic completely. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you read the scoreboard, five goals to zero, it doesn't, it's not, doesn't read too bad on the scoreboard. And they only went down by 49 points in the end. But just the way they come out after a week where, you know, the, the club was pretty much publicly imploring members and supporters to show up on Sunday. Um, have a good turnout. We knew, you know, there was a bit of pressure on the club um, and the the attendance. So after a week of, you know, trying to get as many people to the game as possible, you serve up that garbage in the first quarter of footy and pretty much provide no contest for the rest of it. And uh, I mean, from the from the four quarter performance as a whole, um, they had nine players have under. Uh, 10 disposals for the whole game. Nine. That is almost half their team. And, uh, I mean, if you look at the players as well, Stevenson, you know, was once touted as a generational talent. He had five. Zeeble, a leader, had six. Powell, who was one of their better players last year, had seven. Turner, who's been there nine years, he's had he had eight touches. Horn Francis, eight. Greenwood, who ditched the Suns, literally ditched the Suns to play for this team, and he only managed eight disposals as well. Um, Curtis and Perez ended with 10 and 11, so pretty much half their team had 11 or less disposals, which is just unbelievable. Um, And, yeah, I I can honestly see why a player like Jason Horn-Francis, another generational talent uh, once out of that footy club um, and it's only really been half a season. Mm. And I find it very interesting, the uh, criticism around Horn Francis, you know, he's an angry boy at the moment. He did this very silly thing on the weekend. He'll copy his suspension whack. Um, but everyone's saying like he needs to earn his stripes. And it's like, yeah, that's all well and good when you're, you know, throwing your toys out of the cot of a, like a club like Hawthorne or a club like even Essendon that's showing some potential, showing some growth with this. I don't know. You, you don't. He didn't get to choose to play at this club. He got drafted at this club. 
Some people yeah. move there. If it was, if it's a Stefferson going, you know, I want to play here and then crack into sads, it's a bit different. But this guy's been lumped in at a, at a cellar door that may not get off the ground ever again. Mm. And uh, I'd be pretty angry too. And I'd be looking for uh, alternate employment options. But the fans did stick fact, Nico. 13,742 yeah. turned up to Marvel Stadium on the weekend. Is that a good result for North or is that uh, um, unders what we should be seeing uh, in North games? Well, it's it's better than what we expected. Um, there was a lot of chatter around only, you know, uh, a record low attendance pretty much, under 8,000 or under 7,000 or whatever it is. But, you know, 13,000, I think a lot had to do with um, the actual talk around, around the um, the crowd size building up to the game. So I think a lot of North supporters showed up um, for that matter. So there wouldn't be a record low attendance. But still, it's, it's not good enough. Um, I think for the season, they've only averaged 14,000. And if you look at a... If you look at Fitzroy's numbers in their last five years of existence, they they averaged they, they didn't average anywhere near thirteen thousand. I think their lowest was fifteen thousand in the last five years of their existence. So they're they're dire numbers, um, and honestly, I can't see them improving after that. I don't blame North North supporters for not showing up because um, yeah, the, the team's just not putting in putting anything out there. Why would you want to go to Watch your team play when you know they're just going to get done by 50 or, or more points. It's happened now almost 10 weeks in a row. It's it's not good enough. Yeah, it's very hard to see things turning around for North under those current circumstances. To get all the lowlights out of the way early, Dario's Digest this week is the sticky t- topic of the week, but we'll let Dario explain his digestible. Boys, buzzing after another great win by the Pies. Now this episode of Dario's Digest is going to be the topic of the week, Bailey Smith. Is the punishment that's coming forward going to be too harsh or not harsh enough? Thanks, boys. Have a good one. So there you have it, Nikki G. It's about mm-hmm. Bailey Smith. The inevitable conversation was going to be had on this podcast. I think everyone has had their say. But, uh, yes, Dario wants to know, do you think he'll cop his whack and will it be appropriate? Will it be over the top or will it be unders? How do you think the AFL will play this one? Yeah, it's a it's a controversial one. Um, I think you know I'm on the side of the fence where uh, the, the, the AFL needs to stamp this stuff out. Um, it's it's not a good look for the game, and it's not a good look for for juniors who look up to these plays and seeing that stuff um, spread on you know social media and whatnot. So, um, I mean. Stevenson, Jane Stevenson got done for 10 games and copped a $20,000 fine a couple of years ago for gambling. So, I mean, what sort of good look would it be if um, Bailey Smith gets anything less than that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on for that. But, yeah, I, I think you, you should have a hefty uh, suspension and or fine coming to him. We'll be back after a quick break.
the difference between like the uh, the in-game and out-of-game is where the severity comes from. So I suppose like gambling on a game you're involved with, it brings in the integrity of the game. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas this kind of like brings the game into disrespute. It's it's barely getting either caught or, you know, he's circulated the photo without uh, realising who it ended up and how it ended up in the public. So it is essentially like a private act, which I kind of understand why it's less severe. Uh, yeah. It seems like two weeks will be about the mark the AFL will go on and I suppose that's, that's fair enough. But I think there just needs to be more consistency around their, their policy. It seems a bit weird this year. Every year we see off-field discretions, whether or not it's, uh, you know, people breaking COVID protocols, going to kebab shops, if it's people fighting in Entrecote, if it's, you know, people allegedly doing drugs or owning up to doing drugs or, or whatever. And we've seen it, you know, year in, year out. I don't think the game's in crisis. And so when you tune into like Fox footy and you've got people saying, you know, we need to stamp this out. When, when uh, Jeff Kennett's saying he needs to be banned for two years. I think that stuff's over the top. Um, yep. I just think they just need to be consistent and it's not so much you know, drugs per se, it's just the actions in general. If you're going to take him out of the game for bringing the game to disrepute, then you need to do the same to Stephen May. You need to do the same to people that, that gamble in games. You need to do the same to people that, yeah, mm-hmm. get get buzzed at the Brownlows, et cetera, et cetera. So um, yeah. I think two weeks would probably be, be about right given the precedence. But, yeah, I think it's more, yeah, if there's a yeah, if there's a health issue aside of that, let's let's make sure that the people get the help that they need. But otherwise... Yeah, let's be just be consistent and, and reliable and yeah, otherwise you just look like you're making it up on the fly, which we know the AFL has a precedent of doing. That is true. Mm. On a happier note, you're wearing your Fight the Freeze beanie there, loudly and proudly, and the theme this year was superheroes, which is very, very convenient because my hero for round 13 is the Canadian Cyclops, Mason Cox, <laughs> and... He's not from Canada, but it just sounded better to call him the Canadian Cyclops. Um, but uh, the big Texan, the big Texan, he has been up and down all year this year. And our number one listener, Dario, said had he played his last game for Collingwood, evidently not because he's gone bang, bang since then. And yeah. he's coming into some fine form. And uh, incidentally, it was McCray that found him. So 2015, mm. it was McCray who was development coach here, uh, the head of development, sorry, at Collingwood found the big Texan and um, nurtured him into that product that, that did what he did in the preliminary final stage. And then this is his second time winning the best on ground in the uh, fight, the freeze game on Queen's birthday Monday. And uh, he did it in probably his actual best game, not as many goals, but definitely as a more well-rounded, more footballer looking like more influential game, 21 possessions, but it was contested marks both at the front at the back, he did kick that goal. He did miss two. It was locking down on Max Gorn and nullifying his ruck dominance and then looking like the better ruckman towards the end of that fourth quarter. It was standing up in clutch moments. It was making smart decisions. It was putting himself in the right positioning. He he looked like an influential ruckman utility player that we've all been wanting him to, to look like since he came onto the stage, you know, six years ago. And um, I think it's kind of really shows how much McRae has enabled players to embrace themselves and grow into themselves and play the style of football they want to play. And uh, so it's hats off to all of them and hats off to Collingwood Football Club for getting a, a, a massive win on a massive stage. But um, mm. does that mean that you think Cox is now going to be, you know, set and forget? Grundy's out for a long time. Does, does Cox just ride the rock work until Grundy comes back? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've got nothing to lose, and Mason has absolutely deserved it. I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, was it the game against uh, Carlton? Um, yeah, I think it was the game against Carlton or Fremantle where uh, Dario asked the question whether it was Mason's best game since um, that 2018 prelim against Richmond. Um, we didn't quite agree, but we can comfortably say that this was his actual best game uh, since that 2018 prelim. Uh, I mean, you you dissected it well there. He was absolutely incredible. The stats, that third quarter he had alone, um, it was just so influential. Kicked a goal, um, set up an, another goal as well. He took three intercept marks. Um, he was just covering the ground everywhere. And yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, he's set and forget, leave him in there until Grundy comes back. And even when Grundy comes back, um, if he keeps playing like that, there is no reason to leave him out of the side. Mm. And then obviously, you know, Mason Cox is one of many star pies on yesterday's game. And you have them as your highlight of the week. Hot pies at the MCG, everyone's yeah. favourite thing. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they put in the performance of the week um, and they're playing the most attractive style of football in the competition at the moment. They, they got off to a slow start, it has to be said. Um, they were a bit inaccurate in the first quarter. They only had three goals to their name by half time. But in the second half, they came out and just blew the reigning premiers away. Nine goals to three, if you don't mind. And like you said, Cox was probably their best on ground. But Elliott as well, three goals. Myrcek, four. Crisp, he's having a career best season. He was unreal. Um, Nick Dacos, he just keeps getting better and better with every game. Pendlebury still continues to add that um, experience, the much-needed experience for that young pie side. I thought Maynard was fantastic as well, um, half-back too. So, yeah, credit to Collingwood. You know, it's and um, Craig McRae as well. The, the style of football they're playing, the way they've been able to gel so quickly and... I mean, it's hard to see them not making finals this year. They're sitting eighth at the moment, but and they've won four in a row. But if you look at their next few games, they've got they've got the bye this week, and then after the bye, they've got GWS, Gold Coast, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Essendon, and then Port at the G. And then after that, they've got Melbourne again, and then they finish off with Sydney and Carlton. So out of those nine games, they win at least. Six of those, I think. Um, they should win the next six. They should really be ten in a row if they keep playing like they did um, on the weekend oh, on Monday. Sorry, um, and yeah, I mean that that'll take them to fourteen wins. Um, not only is that, I mean, finals footy locked in. That is that is a home final at the MCG, and if the competition continues to be as even as it is, it could even be top four. They're only really sitting one game outside the four at the moment. And again, those last three games against Melbourne, Sydney and Carlton to finish off their home and away season, they're, they're winnable as well, really. So, yeah, I mean, sky's the limit for this young pie side. Here we go. We heard it here first. Nicky G is all aboard the Flag Pies Express. Flag Pies, four days, 10 in a row, I heard. Uh, shout out to the Gold Coast Suns because I reckon they'll be the biggest one to uh, bring the winning streak to a halt. I reckon, but uh, yeah. after that, it's you know, as you said, six and three, five and four. It'll be it'll be enough. It'll be enough. So uh, yeah, yeah, very interesting times for the Collingwood Magpies. And then on the reverse side, Demon mm. Days. Is it a slump? Is it is it a blip? 
or is it a massive concern for the running premiers? Oh, gee, it's amazing what you know a few losses can do to your perspective of this team. Honestly, we were we were talking dynasties. I mean, not us per se, but the footy community, the footy media, we're talking dynasties and unbeaten seasons, twenty two and zero, and. I mean, they lose a few on the trot now. I mean, a few weeks ago, we we didn't even see any holes in this team. But, you know, after three losses in a row, when you start to look at that forward line and you see Ben Brown, meh, Tom McDonald, meh, uh, Charlie Spargo, meh, Sparrow, Neil Bullen, you kind of think, well, is it really as good as what we hyped this team up to be? And, I mean, I'd like to think it's a slump. I, I do think they'll bounce back. Um, but it, it is quite concerning. Ever since they lost Stephen Main defence, it's just all seemed to have fallen apart. And again, like I, they they should be able to bounce back. I expect that they will. But um, I think there'd be a few concerns. There'd be a few alarm bells ringing within the camp at the moment. Mm. And the other part too is that often you see a Premiership side they they lose one or two. Yes, Richmond won the premiership after losing four in a row. Mm. Um, but the difference was not is now they're getting found out. I feel like I feel like teams now know how to beat Melbourne. Like they know yeah. the style of play that Melbourne wants to play. And this year they haven't really been able to show their ability to win a game a different way, other than their favourite style of football, that that running gun from from defence. Yeah. The the style's been super successful for a lot of teams, to be honest. But mm. they are yeah. Their, their midfield's being nullified, and we saw that as well. Like Clayton Oliver, shout-outs for winning best on ground with your 45 million touches. But um, it doesn't seem, to, doesn't seem to hurt you. Like Their midfield gets a lot of the ball, doesn't seem to hurt you. It's the old-school Melbourne in the sense that, you know, back when they were getting done by, by West Coast in, in, in funnels, they had a lot of – like, that midfield was just as strong, and it was the fr- same problems. You go, what's their midfield – like, what's their forward line look like? Not Nothing too scary. And their back line was good. And it's back to that again, where it's kind of like no one's really super scared of – getting blown apart by Melbourne in a quarter or two quarters of footy like they, they used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, we were blindsided by their wins in the first half of the season. Um, but even so, even though they were winning games, we didn't really see those performances that we saw in the prelim and the grand final, those four quarter just blowouts. We saw, we saw glimpses of it, but I don't think we really saw the, the same Melbourne, you know, football and performance that, we saw in the finals last year, and we kind of just thought, "Oh, it'll come. It'll come at the right time of the year. It'll come, you know, um, you know, when they're playing finals and when they they need it most." But now that they've lost a few, um, it just adds that extra bit of concern. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do now. Uh, obviously, uh, the pressure's just starting to build. They wouldn't want to lose four in a row or five. Um, they need to get back on the winners list asap. I think they're going to be without Stephen May for another game. So, um, yeah, definitely um, one to watch in the coming weeks. Definitely one to watch. But the Bikini Bear Lucky Stars are going to face your club for a little bit longer because my highlight of the week is that Hawthorne seems to be everyone's bogey side. I don't know how Sam Mitchell's done it. He haven't won as many games as he probably would have liked to in these positions, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, mm-hmm. Fremantle, 14, 11, 95, Hawthorne, 12, 10, 82. Took it up to the took it up. Took it up to the one of the informed teams in the competition at home. Andy Brayshaw should be in that Brownlow, you know, top three by the end of the year. Nat five came back, but Hawthorne said, We're not scared. We'll take it up to you. Mm-hmm. And 
They were arguably the more impressive team on the day, I think. Not that Freo played poorly, but just this Hawthorne side that everyone said it's a rebuild, expect nothing, they won't travel well, they, they won't win games much this year. Mm. It feels like every game this year that at least contested, at least you know asked a question or two, which is more than a lot of the bottom bottom sides can say. So uh, as I said at the top of the thing, are you proud about the performance? But uh, let's break it let's break it down. Like, is that is it an honourable loss, or do those things not exist, Hawthorne Land? No, it is an honourable loss, and this is the difference between like a side like Hawthorne and say North Melbourne. Um, not expected to win games, but you you need to see signs, you need to see competitiveness. At least Hawthorne is showing that, um, and yeah, I think they could have. I mean, they probably deserved more than four wins this season uh, so far. But you know, we'll take that. I think that is. I think the weekend's result is perfect for Hawthorne's case. Play well, win everyone over, but still lose to stay low enough for a good draft pick at the end of the season. Um, and yeah, I, I probably, I probably still want to see a few more wins um, as the season closes out. I think you know from the last nine games, probably you'd want at least three, three more wins at the very least um, to really consider it, you know, a pass for the season. So, um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at the games we've played against top four sides, Melbourne we only lost by ten points. Brisbane we beat. Um, Fremantle got within a couple of goals and uh, got within one point of Carlton. Beat Geelong. Got pretty close to Collingwood, the informed pies. So you can't be you can't be disappointed at that. And they're still missing a few players as well on the weekend, mind you. So uh, yeah, very exciting times to be a Hawthorne supporter. It has to be said they're playing exciting footy. I think they're up there with Collingwood with one of the most exciting brands. Whether it's sustainable or not going forward is yet to be determined. But um, so far, so good for sure. And also. Against the informed team now of the competition, Frio eight and two, the best streak of the mm. last ten weeks. Now goes to the Dockers, who just fly under the radar in third, and they'll be coming for that second position very quickly. If anything's to go by my low light, and it's kind of like a twofold low light, but the main one was Saints versus uh, Brisbane because we had this chalked up as a second, second and and fourth, but really just you know we wanted to see two potential top four sides kick off and just have a real high-scoring, free-flowing, both of these styles, you know, really excite our Saturday night and we got none of it. We got a St Kilda side that was burdened with, un- like, unlucky injuries, sure, but also just just stagnated ball movement. wasn't much going on. Mm. And, uh, you know, Max King didn't didn't have much to say about the situation either. There was no Jennifer, Doe Jennifer, Max King shootout, which we wanted, we wanted to see. And then and Brisbane just couldn't. Couldn't capitalise early. This game could have been dead in the first quarter if Brisbane hits the scoreboard correctly earlier on, but they but they didn't, and we got this kind of stagnating, stilted game that eventually Brisbane won, I suppose, fairly comfortably. Mm. But wasn't wasn't what I wanted to see, and that goes on the back of the first game of the week with uh, Richmond and, and Port Adelaide, which is you know some of the uh, most interesting skill executions you would have seen in a football field at least in 2022, and so it poses the question that obviously people are coming in off the back of a big run, people coming back off a bye like St Kilda was. Mm-hmm. Do we just have one weekend off? Do we just give all the clubs the same rest? You play 11 games, week off 11 games. There's no people coming in and out, disjointed teams, 
Mm. Nice and fair, nice and simple. Week off in the middle of the year and be done with it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, I hate the three buy rounds, honestly. Um, it, the one week off will probably never happen because of commercial reasons, television uh, rights, etc. But um, yeah, it, it just makes sense to just do one week off. Everyone just gets you know the same break, uh, the same amount of time off. Um, and in, in that one week off, there's room for the mid-season draft. I'd even include a mid-season trade period. Um, even a, I mean, I wouldn't say state of origin, that's still up for discussion, but I mean, they, they do maybe the legends game, something like that, something to keep people's interests up. Um, but yeah, I I just think it makes sense one week off and get it over and done with because otherwise it just drags on and we, we get stuck with, uh, games like North Melbourne versus GWS on a Sunday as the lone Sunday game and just the interest isn't there anyway. So yeah, just get it over and done with um, in one week. Yeah. And as you said, midweek draft, absolute tick, midweek trade period. There's two weeks of, of fodder for you, so that, that's perfectly fine. And yeah. maybe even uh, maybe not a state of origin, but maybe we go like the like a NABS, like they do in the NBA with like the McDonald's uh, high school team, for like yeah. the best high school prospects. Do yeah. that. Get the Ooh. NAB league in there, the best 44 players play an exhibition game. Yeah. And we get the girls involved with the NAB League as well. There's two games you've got. There's your weekend field. And then before you know it, we're back into the season and everyone's rested up, ready to roll. And it's all good. And we don't get these tired, un, you know, disjointed, mm. everyone's in the same playing field and it feels a bit more a bit more nice. But, yeah, um, couldn't agree more. Yes, you know, hopefully, uh, girls listening, you can pass on to the next, uh, the next CEO of the AFL and we can get this thing humming. Speaking of humming, we're almost at the end of the episode, but it's time to get our next batch of mid-year gradings. So we need to know, did they pass? Did they fail the first half of the year? And what is their worst case and best case scenarios? And we'll start off with Brisbane, Nikki G. How have you rated their season so far? Well, they're top of the ladder going into their buy. So they would have absolutely taken that. That is a, uh, I'd say it's a strong pass for them. Top of the ladder, top of the tree. Um yeah, they've been inconsistent, but so has every other team at this point. So um, I'd probably give them an A. And best case scenario, they continue that way. They finish top of the ladder, home final of the Gabba. Worst case, I mean, I don't really see them dropping out of the top four. It would have to take a monumental uh, fall off the cliff for that to happen. But um, they'd, they'd want to finish the season with at least a home final, home qualifying yeah, final. I'd agree with I'd agree with that. I think, yeah, steady pass. Won't go strong pass. Won't go A yet. It's more of a B plus because they have been consistent. And I think these guys should be considering themselves as the premiership favourites because they've got the game style that can match it up to, to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And they've got the game style that match it up to most teams when they play at their best. Yeah, as you said, best case scenario, they win it all. Finish top of the ladder, win the whole thing. Bob's your uncle. Worst case, I don't think they slip out of the four because even if Geelong does come in, I think Carlton will drop out. So I think they'll be safe, worst case scenario, in fourth. Flag Pies, you said mm. they're going to win 10 in a row. So obviously uh, it's an A-triple-plus season for them so far and they're going to win the premiership. Yeah. No, it has. it's a strong pass. It has to be A-plus. I mean, at the start of the season, they were we've had them in the same category as uh, North Adelaide and uh, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Hawthorne, um, as one of those bottom four or five teams, you know, rebuilding. 
But now we've gotten all, all all but locked into the top eight um, and playing finals this year. So A plus, absolutely. And yeah, worst case, you know, the buy courses um, a bit of a. I mean, it breaks the momentum for them, and they just go back to you know playing that inconsistent footy and losing to sides like West Coast. But again, I don't really see that happening. Um, I reckon they'll play finals and potentially even a home final. Hmm. Yeah, it has to be a strong pass. McRae's done wonderful things at that club. Everyone seems to be enjoying themselves, and that's the best thing about a young side is they, they play with a lot of freedom and flair, but mm. still with that defensive integrity, which we love. Best case scenario, as you said, anywhere from five to eight, that would be a stellar result considering everyone's on the same amount of wins. Yeah. Um, worst case, it really depends on how much faith you have in Gold Coast, Doggies, and, and Richmond because after that, the gap's pretty pretty big. So, yeah. Yeah. They're Richmond not finishing any, anything lower than 11. And then, yeah, it's how much do you rate Richmond, Doggies, and, and Gold Coast to see how far they fall? But, yeah, yeah, I think the first few weeks after the bye are big for Collingwood because if they can get a little buffer, all of a sudden they're, they're pretty much set and secure. Uh, our two two favourite clubs of the podcast are up next, Frio and Hawthorne. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go first on Frio, strong pass, A+. Plus. Yeah. They're the where they want to be. They're, they're underdog club. Always at their best. Think of the Ross Lyon years. Well, mm. Ross Lyon years are probably frontrunners, but now they're saying no pressure. We'll handle this. West Coast Eagles are having an absolute stinker this year, so we'll fly in and save the state, and we'll go deep into the four. They they should. Well, they'll get top four, but certainly second place is up for grabs to them. And uh, worst case, I well, they have proven to fall off the horse before, so it would be top eight, but if they finish outside the four from here, it's a bad uh, bad at back half of the year, but so hopefully between two and four. Yeah, yeah. No, 100% agree with that. A plus so far for the season. I remember criticising them after three or four rounds. Um, wondering where they were at. I think they, they lost a couple of games they shouldn't have, and they were reverting back to being the old Frio side that just weren't really cutting it, but Credit to them. They turned it around. They've beaten some giant sides and um, won some massive games on the road. They're in the top four uh, mid- uh, midway through the season. And, yeah, it's an A-plus. And, yeah, like you said, it, it's pretty close at the moment, so they could still drop out of the top four. But, um, yeah, uh, it, it would be disappointing if they if they were to drop out. I think they deserve to be in the top four. And they... Um, yeah, best case, I think they can easily achieve a home final as well, a qualifying final. So top two is definitely on the cards if they keep this up. There we go. Uh, Hawthorne then. Hawthorne. I've got Hawthorne with a uh, with a soft pass because I think they could have jagged a few more wins. Yeah. Considering the positions they were in. But, um, but otherwise, again, strong turnaround. Probably deserve to win a few more games than what they are, what they have so far this year. But um, if you look at best and worst case scenarios, to be honest, it's probably where they're at. It's probably in that 15th to 12th. I can't really see them pushing for finals now. I don't think they really want to at this position now anyway. Mm. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think, as you said, learn a good game style, get some games with the youngsters, get a few more good draft picks, and then start to make the move up the ladder next year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I reckon I've got them at about a C-plus at the moment. Like you said, could have easily won a, a few of those close ones. They could have had six, seven wins to their name by now. But, 
Um, yeah, wins don't really matter at this point. Um, although, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think they should win at least three of their last nine games. Um, at, yeah, that's at the very least. They still need to play teams like West Coast, Adelaide, GWS. Um, so there, there are some winnable games in there. And yeah, I mean, there's no point in really them finishing ninth, 10th. They may as well just finish, you know, where they're at. Secure a top five or top six draft pick, and um, yeah, get like you said, get the experience into the kids and move from there and keep learning Mitchell's game plan. Then the final two clubs for this week: Melbourne and North Melbourne. Melbourne's a tricky one for mine, so they're well equal first on on points, but they've missed out on the top spot on the ladder by 0.2 percent coming into the halfway mark of the season. Yeah. Um, statistically, I think they've got still got the best defense in terms of points against, but they're they're lacking a little bit in terms of points for. Yeah. They're equal first after a premiership. You'd say that's pretty much like where you need to be, but the vibe at the moment doesn't feel right. Something feels a bit off. So, yeah. I think it's a a soft pass. It's a C for mine, despite you know being on top and being a dynasty club all but three weeks ago. But I think there's a lot to prove in the back half, and maybe that's a good position to be in. Maybe maybe it means that this they get a little bit of a wake up call, a week off, and then in we go. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I see. Um, they'd be disappointed with this little slump, but I think the, these slumps are bound to happen. Um, you can't you can't win every week, obviously. Um, and it's maybe this is the wake up call they need to uh, really push themselves in the second half of the season and. Uh, find a way to improve. So, yeah, soft pass, um, but they'd, they'd still want to finish top two. And like you said, it, it's a good time to have a slump because they're still equal top. They're, they've fallen to second, but, you know, still on that, uh, still on the 10 wins from 13. And, um, yeah, if they do bounce back, they'll be in a very strong position. So, uh, yeah, they'd want to finish top two, I think. And then our last club, North Melbourne. The only question to ask here is that, is this the worst football team across 13 weeks that we've seen in the history of the game? Yes, yes. I mean, we saw the Crows a couple of years ago um, not win a game in their opening, what was it, 15 games? But just the way North Melbourne are losing and... Just the whole aura of the club at the moment, everything that's going on around Jason Horn Francis and the coach, all, all the rumours about um, David Noble um, and even the um, the higher-ups above him, everything's just negative. The attendances are negative. Yeah, I, it's a, like you listed it on the, the run sheet, it's an epic fail. <laughs> um, there's no other way to put it. The, this is the... Worst team I think I've ever seen play in my lifetime, at least. Especially in the case where, you know, I think Essendon had a rough time after the drug scandal and the mass bans, but like at least they had a reason. And like West Coast is going through a rough patch here as well. But, you know, COVID mitigates, let's say, three to four of those losses. Whereas what, mm. is, what has North Melbourne had? Like, what is their, yeah. their excuse that they are this poor? for this long and it wasn't that long ago that Brad Scott was coaching and they were making a prelim and all teams fall off the cliff but then most teams come back up like Hawthorne 
is at least looking competitive in games. And you said that's the difference between them and, and North Melbourne. Adelaide is looking competitive in games and can win games here and there. You know, yeah. Gold Coast has been in the bottom half of the ladder for almost its whole existence. But at least, again, they can win games on any given Sunday or every given Saturday. But this North Melbourne side is devoid of hope at the moment. And so that's mm. where you go, how do we how do we break this? What is what's the issue? Is it on foot? Is it off foot? Is the whole thing just too broken and you ship it off to Tasmania? I think you can't answer those questions in a week, but you're going to have to answer them pretty soon because otherwise there can be mm. some pretty dour and sad questions to answer coming into the year. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're pretty much playing like a, a, a... They are a VFL standard at the moment and they're playing like a very bad VFL side on top of that. So... Um, yeah, absolutely. Questions to answer and a hell of a lot of room to improve in the second half of the, the, second half of the season. And we have to see some improvement. They just, this cannot continue um, the way it's been going. So it's going to be interesting. And you mentioned the bad uh, VFL sides. Well, their VFL side's coming 19th out of the 21 clubs and they have the worst points scored against yeah. as well there as well. So it's a club-wide cross seniors and reserves Mm-hmm. And yes, lots of answers to be had there. But unfortunately, we don't have time to answer them all on the, today's episode. So uh, thank you all for listening, for joining us around the water cooler, for breaking down the hottest topics in footy for the week. And we'll be back at the end of the week to preview round 14, the last of the buy rounds, until we get back to normal scheduled programming. But thank you, Nikki G, for joining us. Thank you for Dario for being our number one listener. And thank you to all of you for listening today and uh, make sure you don't take any pictures of yourself outside of work hours just to be safe. We'll see you on Friday.